0: Welcome to Useful Idiots. Uh, this is our first post-inauguration uh, recording. and it's a,
1: it's a special show.
0: Special show for a special day and a special time. Uh, racism and imperialism are over.
1: It's all over. The world is back. Actually, it's, it's now advanced to, to a state of pure awesomeness. Yeah, and, and, uh, awesomeness and
0: enlightenment. And, enlightenment. and who, and who enlightenment. else would we want to talk about this with than the most enlightened person? Who will ever talk to us? And that's, of course, Thomas Frank.
1: Thomas Frank, who's going to join us the whole show. Welcome, Tom.
2: Yeah, I'm glad to be here and spread my enlightenment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're, we're basking. That's what this is. This, this uh, is a, uh. this is a collective basking. We're recording after the inauguration, so we're we're in the middle of uh, a, a, a feeling of great joy among the
2: land. Tom, what was your warmth? The warmth is just sort of you know percolating through our bodies. They, uh, so, okay, first of all, is relief. So I don't, I will confess, I was just so relieved when I woke up this morning and the world was still, and the world was still turning. And, uh, uh, Donald Trump's helicopter was on its way out of D.C. I was that was that made me pretty happy. Yeah. And uh, and then, you know, Biden stepped up and gave his dreadful speech and it was dreadful.
1: It, it wasn't, was OK. It, so so, so tell, tell, let's get into the dreadfulness.
2: It was dreadful. It, that's my, my opinion. But it was it. But it was the thing is, what flavor of dreadful? OK, right. it, it, most inaugural speeches are are pretty bad. And we should also tell trade stories about. I've been to a bunch of these inaugurals. Uh huh.
1: Yeah. Which ones did you go to?
2: So I went to Trump's and I went to Obama's, but I didn't, I actually didn't go to the mall that day. It was too crowded. I went the day before. Ah. And, uh, and yeah. I remember the first one I ever watched was. Jimmy Carter in sixth. I was in sixth grade and we wow. all they pulled us all out of class and we all sat in front of a big TV and watched. I'll, and I will tell you, I was what was I 10, 11? And uh, I really admired him. I mean, when you're that age, you know, and he seemed like such a good guy compared to Nixon and all. That, yeah, he all is, that. wasn't he? Well, of course. And mm-hmm. uh, as before before you got on, Katie, we were talking about Christopher Lash and Carter actually like called Lash into I I don't know the whole story. Carter had a conversation with Lash and out of that conversation came his worst speech which was the famous Malays.
1: Oh, he wrote that Lash.
2: So historian well, Lash Christopher Lash in-
1: inspired the the Malays speech. That's yes, interesting. Yes, that's
2: right. And and wow. I saw so I watched that and I remember exactly where I was when I watched it. I was in, you know, the the my my parents' bedroom in our suburban home in Prairie Village, Kansas, and I and I thought Jimmy Carter was so great. We had this philosopher president; um, he was so smart. And then, like, it took several days for the media to decide this was the worst speech of all time. (laughs) (laughs) And my my initial reaction was that this guy is fantastic. But uh, um, yeah, so how does that
1: compare with? with with today, though,
2: I'm trying to remember what Carter actually said in his inaugural. Well, he
1: was was trying to be honest about what, like all the different things that were empty about American life. Yes.
2: But there were echoes of Carter in in Biden's speech. You know, we you are we are a good people. You know, Uh, we all need to come together. We need to end this period of what did he call it? An uncivil war. Right. It was a very Carter-esque. Now, maybe you guys thought Biden's speech was excellent.
1: I just thought it was like anodyne, and like a, a, it was sort of like a dial survey speech where they just kind of threw a bunch of uh, cliches and connective yeah, tissue yeah. out was, there.
0: Exactly, exactly. It was just. I have no I rem- memory
2: whatsoever what was said. I've read it three times and I'm having trouble remembering it. Yeah. It's and and, and anodyne is exactly right. I mean, it is exactly. It's just one cliche after another. And uh, you know, the, he had that long quotation that he said was from a song. I looked. I looked it up. It's from a, a song that yes, it's the theme song of a Ken Burns special. Really? Oh, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Ken Burns. Right? <laughs> Ken Burns. Well, he, he he said it was a quote. He just didn't give he didn't give the source, but it's from a Ken Burns special about World War II, a Ken Burns series. And uh, he also echoed really strongly a very Ken Burns esque historian, which is John Meacham, all that crap about the better, better angels. Wait, better Meacham angels of in our the Biden
0: person who, who yeah. was working for Biden and didn't yeah. tell MSNBC?
2: Yes. Well, yeah. But that's like Biden has been echoing him all through the whole campaign. I mean, that's that's. But but this this is this is a master of cliches that we're talking about here. You know, the the, the, the cliche ideas, cliche expressions. Yes. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. So I, I, I thought of a funny way to, to talk about this, if you guys will allow me, which is um, uh, I was looking up exactly 100 years ago uh, on a different inaugural. Yeah. Inauguration day. Let's try, let's
1: try to guess what what writer could be talking about what presidential <laughs> inauguration.
2: Oh, come right. on. I, I have to tell you who. No, okay. I'll, I'll go ahead and read it and then you can okay. guess. But right. I already said he's talking about he's talking about Warren G. Harding. And this is what the journalist said exactly 100 years ago. He said, setting aside a college professor or two and a half dozen dipsomaniacal newspaper reporters, he takes the first place in my Valhalla of literati. <laughs> He's talking about Harding. He said, first place in my Valhalla. That is to say, he writes the worst English I have ever encountered. <laughs> It rem- wait, wow. wait, it gets better. It reminds me of a string of wet sponges. It, it reminds me of tattered washing on the line. It reminds me of stale bean soup, of college yells, of dogs barking idiotically through endless nights. This is the best way. It gets better. It is so bad. That a sort of grandeur creeps into it it drags itself out of the dark abysm of pish and crawls vainly <laughs> up to the topmost pinnacle of posh it is rumble and bumble it is flap and doodle it is balder and dash
0: <laughs> dash <laughs> Wow,
2: so that's uh, that's, uh I, think, I think we all know what writer that is. <laughs> that's H.L. Mencken, my hero. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't Ward go for. Isn't that funny? Where, that's a hundred years ago now. Where was the
1: Bosch and Buncom? Kind, of, kind of a kind of a little little. Uh, I'm only reading part of the
2: essay. It goes uh, on, okay. On, 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 right. Like trying to describe the the idiocy of this. So so Harding would misread words. Uh huh. The famous one is, is the word was normality and he read it as normalcy, uh-huh. and it, and, and, but there are a whole bunch of them like that. And uh, and, and Mencken just thought this was hilarious.
0: Can you explain who Mencken is for listeners? Oh, viewers? I'm sorry.
2: I, I should have said H.L. Mencken. Yes. He was the great, the great uh, journalist of, of that era of the, the teens and the twenties wrote many, many, many books, edited the American Mercury. And I, when I was a, when I was younger, I used to try to imitate his style. But this is a guy who is a real misanthrope. He didn't like anybody. He did, huh. it didn't stop with Warren G. Harding. He didn't like Wilson either. He didn't like Coolidge. He, he hated Roosevelt. He hated everyone.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's kind of my hero, actually. Yeah, I wonder what Mencken would have said about today. It would have been... Oh, my God. Well, the, the
2: thing is, that there there's n- nothing like that is permitted. So right. And in, in, in like right english english journalism that you still encounter that kind of attitude that just like over the top swaggering insult you know mm-hmm. <laughs> but you uh you just don't see that in america especially about an inaugural address you know we're all supposed Well unless to be so it's coming nice. from
0: the other s- side right but I tra- I tell you back, people were way.
2: people were incredibly harsh about trumps and uh i saw trump yeah. oh, do you want to hear my trump inaugural story yeah so I go so, down there for, on that day, and uh, you know, you're, 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 the idea in DC is you're just supposed to be able to walk out onto the mall. You weren't able to do that this time. Nobody, did you see? There was nobody there this time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and uh, and I and, and I got down to the mall, and there were all of these security. This is for Trump's inaugural. There were all kinds of security measures in place, and so you had to go through all this shit. And so now- I, I I get down there, and I'm standing in line, but you can clearly hear trump's voice through these megaphones these loudspeakers all over the national mall and uh i'm standing in line to 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 let me out onto the mall and there's all these trump supporters around me and i swear to god it started raining with his very first syllables so like speaking (laughs) and it started raining at the exact same moment and i made some remark like um you know what about how about that it started raining and the woman in front of me said it's 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 Jesus's tears. And then, and then she clarified she said they're tears of joy. Right. I love that.
0: Not sad tears, happy tears. Yeah. Right,
2: right. Jesus is happy. He's so happy that Trump's president that he's like weeping. And uh and I actually, you know, Trump got really hammered for that speech. Do you remember he, American Carnage? Mm -hmm. But I thought there was something I didn't think it was a good speech But I thought there was something um, Really interesting about it He talked about deindustrialization Do you remember this? Mm -hmm. He said like Talking about factories Standing like tombstones Mm -hmm. It it was this kind of a good image I'm sure Steve Bannon wrote it You know But uh, it reminded me of When I was writing Listen Liberal I went to this town called Fall River, Massachusetts Where they have Um, these
1: uh, I I grew up not like five Miles.
2: Oh, well, you know what I'm talking about then? Those mills, you know, those Mm -hmm. mills and they're they're all over the city landscape and they're completely vacant from top to bottom. Mm -hmm. And they look they do look like tombstones over the city. And that was exactly the image Mm -hmm. that I thought of. And so I kind of thought that was I kind of thought that was uh, like sort of okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because his his uh, his convention speech was basically like a worse version of Nixon's silent majority, like law and order. Thing And they they reconfigured it to be this quasi populist uh, concept about crumbling America. And it was it was really dark and apocalyptic. Yes. Right. But but
2: we I think we needed that. I mean, he turned out to be like he turned out to I mean, he did nothing about any of it. I mean, he just turned out to be the the biggest charlatan ever sat in the Oval Office. We should also debate that. Like, how bad is he? You know? Right. Well, well, yeah,
0: we have. For for Biden, we rate things by golden leg hairs. Um, what could we do for Trump? How many gold? What could that be? How many? Uh, how many
1: scalp reductions? That's three scalp yeah. reductions. Yeah. Up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, okay, but this is an important question because we got we got we got to get to this. So obviously we had we had the Capitol riot, and I, I know that you've been writing some stuff on this theme of how exactly uh, productive was this last four years of just kind of relentless, the sort of anti-Trump propaganda that came from a unified Front yeah. of basically elite culture in the, in this country, right? So
2: that's right? so that's so you're we're changing the subject from Trump to anti-Trump, which is fine with right. me. Mm. Yeah, uh, but but uh, but at some point we got to go back and and uh, and and think how how bad a president was he? And it is it is fascinating that he saved the very last the very worst thing for last. You know the stor- Absolutely. storming of the Capitol. You know what the hell? Yeah. You know it, it, unleashing his followers on on his own vice president like. What the? I still can't get my head around that one, you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: I just wanted to pause this really good chat.
1: You get it, pause?
0: I know it's really rough out here for a lot of people, but I wanted to give Matt the chance to talk about something.
1: Well, I mean, Katie, has your pet helped you through the pandemic this year?
0: So much. She's really cute, so I cuddle with her. Um, Mm. She's very amusing. I bring her on my shows. She was on Useful Idiots last week.
1: Look, from the beginning of the pandemic, PetSmart has been an essential retailer making sure that you can get everything your pet needs. And right when you need it, they have 1600 convenient locations and they lead the pack with safe and easy ways to shop while we're doing canine. Metaphors, uh, look, yeah. they're cleaning and disinfecting products. They follow the CDC recommendations. Everybody wears face coverings or masks. They're required for employees and for pet parents. There are decals on the floor and signage and new protocols that reinforce social distancing requirements. So if you've been, if you've had a catastrophic brain injury and you don't remember Cat? where you are.
0: catastrophic cat cat-a-strophic.
1: catastrophic, and you're and you're stumbling around and you don't know what you're doing and you look down doggone the floor it. the floor doggone it is going to remind you to socially distance at uh, at pet smart and they've got uh plexiglass shields in place at the registers uh and also at the salon and pets hotel lobbies uh they got stores and grooming salons where they offer digital check-in curbside drop-off and pickup and contactless payment. You don't have to have any real contact with a human being when you go into this place. So, you know, PetSmart, you know, look, it's responded to the unprecedented demand for contactless shopping by adding curbside pickup for website and app orders. And now, now Katie. Yeah, Matt. It's offering free same-day delivery powered by DoorDash through January 31st, 2021, so you can get everything your pet needs right to your door and right when you need it. PetSmart uh, associates really love pets, they love caring for them, and that's a big part of why they work there. Uh, and they're, as an essential retailer since the beginning of the pandemic, uh, they've made it safe and easy for you to do care for your pet too, online or in stores. At PetSmart, the health and safety of employees, pet parents, and pets is what's most important, which is why they require face coverings, support social distancing, and have installed plexiglass shields and enhanced cleaning to follow. CDC recommendations Or if you're interested in contactless shopping Just order online on PetSmart.com Or in the PetSmart app And enjoy free, easy uh, Curbside pickup uh, Or free same-day delivery Again, powered by DoorDash We've mentioned that twice, but it deserves to be mentioned twice Don't you think? It does We can't Uh, dash over it Right, through January 31st uh, So you can get everything your pet needs Right to your door and right when you need it So check out Petsmart.com for more details. Actually, just go there recreationally. Just go check it out. Right. It's better than other things you could be surfing for.
0: All right. That pause was long enough. Let's go back to Tom.
1: We switched over today. Like we had like a formal switch over from like media, nonstop media rage to nonstop media sycophancy. Right. Yes. And and it it was it was kind of amazing. Like to like Chris Wallace was like on near tears and saying that this was the greatest inaugural dress that I've ever heard. Here's a quote from a Washington Post guy. Joe and Bo used to watch an eagle soar by the dock. Now when <laughs> Biden steps to the to a lectern, he will be greeted by a presidential seal. It features as its most prom- prominent symbol, a ball. Wait, wait, eagle. Wait, wait, wait,
2: an eagle. Yes, yes I got yes. it.
1: <laughs> and there was the thing last night where the guy on uh, uh, oh CNN was talking about how the lights... Uh, at the, lighting up the mall were like, Joe Biden's arms wrapped around America. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: he's like their political director <laughs> or
1: something. John, John King saying there's an air of cleansing about today. So, okay, like, for most people, it's just like, Ew, all right, whatever. But I, I think, you know, for half the country, this is like, it's, it's probably going to work on their psyches in a very specific way. And, and I know you've been interested in this. I'm just curious what your thoughts are about that, Tom, because you, you have very, P- particular ideas about how, how yeah. all that went so over. it's
2: it's it's so I'm fa- look and this is uh, I'm going to say we we should also talk at some point about how what we thought when Trump came in and how our minds have been changed. But I um, almost immediately once Trump got elected, uh, became fascinated by um, anti you know, Trumpism is fascinating. But anti-Trumpism is also really goddamn interesting, and the way that people would uh, sort of um, almost instantly, you know, ramped it up to ten, you know, went to this kind of hysteria, uh, you know, the the, uh, the what was the term that I used, Agastitude. the uh, mm-hmm. this constant mm-hmm. air, the the you know constant wailing uh, that's been going on now for four years, uh, everywhere that you turn, and uh, that is. I think just as fascinating as Trump and it's going to outlast Trump. This is now Trump is gone and the agastitude is still with us. And I mean, we're in a we're in a brand new media climate, uh, you know, a brand new cultural climate. Let's let's go ahead and just uh, go all the way here. A brand new cultural climate that that I think is, is totally unprecedented in American life where you've got this well unprecedented in our lives. None of us remember the 1950s. But there is an absolute consensus, an like airtight consensus among cultural elites in this country of a kind that we have never seen in our lives. In our lives, yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, and it's it, it is just it's an amazing thing to behold. It's also really none of us are part of it. We're all outside of that consensus, mm-hmm. and so we're you know looking looking from the outside in. But this what I what I call it is a consensus of you know of the aghast. And, uh, uh, I don't know how they're going to, you know, process the next four years. But we're in a really strange time in America where it's not just this that, that they've come together in a kind of airtight consensus. Where if you want to write, we're journalists here. If you want to write for a, you know, one of the, one of these the sort of mainstream publications in America, you basically you have to accept this their party line. There's just there's no other way. If you're a Republican, if you're a Democrat, whatever you are, you have to be. You have to share these certain, you know, preconceptions of a gastitude. And um, one of the things that sort of made it okay and made it kind of fun is that it was an opposition. It was a consensus of opposition. But now it isn't now. It is fully in charge. And uh, it's not just, you know, um, a coming together of elites uh, against the president. It's a coming together of elites with the president. Yeah. Yeah. And that is uh, we are entering a new world. And there's also I mean, we can talk about all the different elements of this, uh, you know, what it includes, what it doesn't include. The, the aspect of it that blows my mind is that, well, there's many aspects of it that blow my mind. The, the first one is that it includes the intelligence agencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like What mm-hmm. the hell? Like, since when have they been part of the like the liberal consensus? That's just too almost too strange, you know. Uh, I, and, uh, you know, I've been
0: part of it for a while, except they haven't been they were they like were part of it back in the 50s optics wise I,
2: I certainly wouldn't think so i mean i've been a liberal all my adult life and and i never regarded the intelligence agencies as oh, allies you, or friends you you're know? not
0: you're talking about liberals i thought you meant democrat presidents you're talking about the the the, the, the civilians the non-presidents you know, non-democratic
2: you know, presidents you know that's that's a different you know that's certainly right. a different ball right. no, game right. but, C- uh,
1: culturally that whole security state thing was never part of like right. the you know, like the liberal intellectual elite. But now they're like f- fused in a way that it's, it's like, it's like,
2: it's very weird, right? Yeah. and Very well, they're, healthy. They're all commentate. All these former guys are, you know, commentators. on, the so, liberals, Yeah, CNN, yeah. Et cetera. And, uh, uh, and you've also got, you know, the situation where monop- where you've got monopolies, cultural monopolies emerging all over the place. By the way, did I ever show you guys this when I was, Doing when I was doing the Baffler, does this, yeah. sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was doing yeah. the ba- the Baffler magazine back in the day, mm. commodifiers at the new Gilded Age and the the big idea that we were all writing about uh, at the Baffler was the idea of the culture trust, the idea right. of you know that uh, that that culture had come under a kind of monopoly control, which in the nineties that was not you know that was uh, kind of an exaggeration. Today, right, it's true. Uh, I mean, there's the the newspaper industry. It's basically three papers. And the Wall Street Journal doesn't really count because their online presence is extremely limited. Right. You know, the New York Times, Washington Post, you know, that is it. And they increasingly resemble each other.
1: Yeah. Well, the whole the whole kind of left liberal media landscape, which was pretty fragmented and pretty representative of lots of different sects, even five years ago. It's almost exactly uh, to- tonally all the same now. Been, it doesn't it's, matter.
2: It's, you, it's, you'd say it's been cornered. Yeah. And they've 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 rolled it up. Yeah, it's, it's it, it behaves like a monopoly. And then you also have real monopolies, you know, Facebook. Right. Uh, you know uh, uh, what? Google, you know, real monopolies out there, you know, astride the culture. And people are just finally now starting to understand the danger that this represents. And one of the things that has been most shameful, I think, about the Trump years, we're talking about anti-Trumpists here during the Trump years, is their constant soliciting of these cultural monopolies, to soliciting them to crack down on their uh, on their rivals, on the you know, on 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 people they disagree with. Yeah, this is like crazy. I mean, it's 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 Cold War behavior. You know, this is like this is it's it's not quite McCarthy, but we're getting there. You know, McCarthy was a blowhard blowhard and an asshole. But if you go back and read, you know, about the culture war, it's sorry, the Cold War climate and ignore McCarthy and look at all the other stuff that was going on in America back then. It was scary. And we are heading right towards it again right now is what I feel. That's the way I think about it.
0: Well, like, look at the way Matt is totally marginalized uh, and Glenn Greenwald and, uh, you know, other people, Max Lumenthal, Aaron Maté, uh, Ronnie Kallick, all these people who uh, if if they're retweeted by a politician, you have people swarming the politician and urging them not to to retweet them. Um, yeah. That's just in the world of Twitter. But people are right. totally tainted. I mean, there really is. This really lazy labeling of someone's being tainted or toxic and there's no evidence required and people are just written off.
2: Yeah. Taint because they're communists. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Well,
0: now now they're not communists. They're Putinists.
2: Right. So they, they signed on to one of these these front groups. The Communist Party used to set up these front groups and they would lure people in right. the front groups. They would have really attra- attractive names. Right. You know, they'd be like, we're doing good things in the world. And so it, well-meaning yeah. people would sign up. And then 20 years later, some asshole would find um, that they had attended a meeting. Right. And then and then they, they'd get fired. They get, well, canceled. Yeah. They'd lose. They'd lose their job, you know.
0: The John and, Reed Society. My uncle. Great well, uncle that one was. That. It, it was pretty
2: easy to see that that one was.
0: Close. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Communist. Not that a covert, right? But there were there no, were right, a lot. They but it. they had they had a lot of them.
2: You know, they were and and some of them were like totally anodyne. You know, um, you know, they had like dance clubs and music clubs. Right. And, you know.
1: So what's going to happen going going forward though? Because I always thought that one of the one of the strategies of the Trump years like from a propaganda standpoint was like it it was implied that you couldn't have a slow news day because that was logistically impossible. It had to be an emergency there was no such thing as a day where something wasn't terribly wrong because as long as he was in the white house, it had, it had to be. So we had this like never ending string of like manias and panics about different things. And then of course there, there was a real one at the end, but what are they has
2: to continue, Matt? That's the pro. So now you, so you're an expert on, on the journalism as industry and that has to continue. Now, here's the question. How are they going to, how is it going to continue? How are they
1: gonna? How are they gonna sustain the emergency going forward? Or will they? Like, I mean, they've
2: got to. Can you? Are the what? Are we all gonna go back to the you know to the nineties? Right. Uh, so uh, I, I've been doing a lot of looking back at my older work recently, and it's funny how the different the climate is now. So my first book was about the um, the dot com bubble. It was well that uh, putting that one aside, that was like an academic book. But my first commercial book was called One Market Under God, and it was about the dot com bubble and this period of euphoria in the 90s, which was exactly the opposite of the Trump years. You know, in the Trump years, everything was. Disaster, a gastitude constantly. Disaster is right around the corner. And in the nineties, it was the it's like, hey, millionairehood is right around the corner. Right, right. <laughs> Do the right thing, and oh my god, look what happened! You just made eight hundred percent in a single day. <laughs> and uh, remember, I, I used to subscribe to Fortune magazine. I would have CNBC on all the time to get that flavor into my writing. This like incredible euphoria, you know. And I would subscribed to fortune magazine and each issue was like, like, like three or 400 pages long. Cause it was so thick with advertising. You know, oh my like, God. Oh, yeah, oh my that's God.
1: right. All the magazines were like that. They're, you know, they were just,
2: <laughs> yeah. And, and journalism, you know, these people made a good living <laughs> writing for writing for magazines like that back then, you know, but it was, it was absolutely the complete opposite. And I wonder, I mean, can can we shift gears? Can we go back to the, like nonstop euphoria? Can you go from hysteria to euphoria?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I mean, how are they going to do it? Because the
2: but I agree with you. I think the model now requires hysteria and requires hate. Right. Uh, and uh, and I don't know. How, I, I don't know where they're gonna where they're gonna get that from. But I, it's actually not hard to. I mean, as we've all seen from Twitter, as we've all learned from Twitter, it's not hard to make a you know, a, a tiny misstep or a verbal gaffe into a, you know, a problem for the ages. We've all right. seen
0: this. We've all seen this happen to people.
2: Right. And right. Uh,
0: was well, this how similar was this to going from Bush to Obama? Good question. Good
2: question. Well, it was Bush was Bush was really hated towards the end. Remember? He, he,
1: yeah, he was. And and also remember, Obama was elected in part because of there was this uh, euphoric feeling among other things, about like a dismantling of the war on terror. Right. And the en- the end of all of these stress inducing adventures in the Middle East, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Right. But, like,
2: but most part- importantly, Obama came into office in the middle of the financial crisis. Right. I in mean, as, of, it was, yeah. as it was still unfolding when he became president and people thought and Bush had been very Trump like and, you know, Trump dealing with coronavirus, the way he dealt with it is like to do nothing. Right. Right. I mean, it's like zero leadership. And that was Bush on the financial crisis. He just washed his hands of it. He had no idea what to do. Uh, You know, he turned it all over to Hank Paulson. Do you remember that guy? (laughs) Mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah the, the whole sending a letter to congress i, I need i need 800 million dollars in
0: three <laughs> yeah, minutes exactly he's the yeah. one yeah. Who, and knelt, and then, who knelt in front of nancy pelosi right
2: yes he did and uh and he uh and 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 the remember and the fed bailed out aig all on their own they didn't ask anybody's permission they just did it that's right oh my that's God. right. and yeah, then obama was... Ob- and so obama coming in it did feel like um like we you know we had obama was so you know palpably a better man than bush you know <laughs> it's just like better superior in every way and i it, well that's what i thought at the time anyways and i thought that you know this guy is going to he's going to you know swing into action and right. he's going to you know he's going to pull a franklin roosevelt and it's going to be great and i was certainly optimistic yeah. I, I was too absolutely I was too, yeah. Yeah,
0: but there is a bit of a difference also in that Obama was seen as really unprecedented, right? So it wasn't he was a re, he wasn't seen as a return to normal, whereas Biden obviously is seen as a return to normal because he's older and because he's uh, white and because he's been vice president and because he's been a senator That's
2: right. for so long. That's right. You, you want me to? I, I can make that even uh, when you say that about Obama. One of the reasons I supported him is because I thought he would root out. The uh, influence of Clintonism in the Democratic Party. I ser- yeah. I sincerely believed that. I'm so, almost ashamed to admit it. Now. I bought that too. I I <laughs> and, 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 but then he, I mean, but it took a couple of years before Jeremiah we understood Wright. that it was just, it was just the same. It was the same right. crap, you know. And, 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 and thing that me like
0: him was that was after they went after Jeremiah Wright. Remember that?
2: I sure I mean, did. With yeah. Hillary
0: Clinton, and they went after his Bill pastor. Ayers. That's what I, I said, like,
2: There's another guy I knew. Uh, Bill Ayers was a friend of mine.
0: Oh, yeah really Chicago. He yeah he went and, he sent uh, his kids to the summer camp
2: I went to oh really so I knew his kids quite well uh, he camp. he was uh, it's funny the, the 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 shit that he got in those days uh, because he's a, in person he's just the nicest guy in the world Bill ayers yeah and he was always just uh super helpful when I was doing the Baffler magazine he was the, just the best guy around and I uh when all this shit happened to him I wrote about this. For the Wall Street Journal, isn't that funny? I wrote an I wrote an op ed for the Wall Street Journal called "My Friend Bill Ayers." <laughs> <laughs> I
0: know the terrorist.
2: That's clickbait. <laughs> no, it was real. It was real. I mean, he really was my friend, and it was it was while all this while all this crap was happening. It was in that summer of two thousand and eight, you know. And
1: <laughs> okay, well, there's another question we got we got to ask ourselves, which is. A, well, Tom, we didn't get a chance to talk to you about this. How do you feel about the capital? Right. And B, you know, they're they're talking about some pretty intense responses, like a domestic terrorism bill, which the squad opposed last night. But if that goes through, like, you know, like what's the likelihood that we're going to go enter this domestic war on terror period, which. You know, I feel like there's a non zero chance that, that that will happen.
2: You know. That seems like such a bad idea to me. Right. Uh, I mean, the thing is that is do we need a new bunch of laws? Everything those guys no. did was already is already illegal. You know, you're right, already not al- you're already not allowed to storm yeah. the Capitol. And and uh, you know what else is is creepy is. I, as far as I'm concerned, those Capitol police have no. Ex- I mean, we haven't done any hearings yet. There haven't been any press conferences yet. Yeah, there probably won't ever be. But, like, how did they not know that was that was going to happen? I I still don't understand that.
1: I mean, yeah. Yeah. We're going to have to have some clarity about whose orders those were to stand down and all that. But um, but, you know, I think one of the things they're talking about in the FBI is already there have been stories about how they were limited in their ability to surveil to conduct surveillance on some of these people because you know that they, they didn't there isn't a designation that they could have used that would have allowed them to get a warrant or something I like that uh, so i i,
2: so I, I a, strongly doubt that and b this is this is just you know that you know how dangerous this is i mean of course the, the domestic spying this is we've been down this road before and i just want to say you we're i'm pretty liberal for liberals to encourage this or be in favor of this is—you yeah. are sowing the whirlwind, my friends. This is the this is the yeah. worst idea imaginable. It it's always gonna always gonna come back to uh, at the left. The yeah. You go you look back through American history at who has been surveilled, who's been uh, deplatformed, who's been had their lives ruined, and it's always people on the left. Uh, and we're not just talking about the fifties here. If you go back to the nineteen twenties, you know when they they were thrown guys in the iww in jail they were deporting people right. uh you know for their political views yeah, the um, not right wingers now they were deporting leftists for their political views and same same are,
1: thing after world war roosevelt did it in 1942 right social well that Republican was party. that
2: was a uh, fascists. That was no, so, the uh, the famous. They they put a bunch of fascist leaders on trial. Um, they
1: did, and anti-Semites, but they also did socialist worker parties. That that was the first set of I did
2: that I did not Sedition
1: know. trials, but uh, but yeah, no, but then you know then we had the domestic surveillance. Remember that whole Cy Hirsch story that came out and sit in 75 and mm-hmm. it was like sort of decided by all the newspapers that, you know what, we're not going to do this. We're not going to follow up on this story that much. And and that just.
2: But that's a, that's one of the biggest, you know, scandals of all time that you talk about the COINTELPRO stuff here.
1: Well, that came out. That's the stuff that came up. Yeah, right. The 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 stuff that came out around the time of the Pike Church.
2: Yeah, I, ju- I can't believe we go back down that that path again. I mean, th- look, there's already laws in place. We need to you know, they we yeah. need to. It, 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 see what went wrong, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then, and then we can talk about what, what needs to be changed. But the idea of, of like unleashing domestic spying, this is a terrible, this is a terrible idea. You know, it's and funny. And it seems that-
0: like it, for the first time, I mean, I this has been, sometimes liberals have ignored this as a, as a threat a lot, but usually leftists, and that's a whole, what does that mean? But I think we all know somewhat what I'm talking about. But this is the first time when actual, I think there's so many lefties who are, who thinks that this is a good idea and i've heard this there's this weird argument which is that if you say it's going to bite us in the ass um more than anyone else they go well they're already doing that to us so who cares let's do it to what the does right that mean? now
2: they're already what so that's uh, you know that's
0: they're already incredibly incredibly ir-
2: incredibly irresponsible uh, you know for yeah, these people to I think know. that this is a and it what what where it comes from is you know we were talking earlier about the coalition of the aghast And this kind of consensus, this this airtight consensus among elites. And I want to come back to that in a minute. But there is I mean, this consensus is especially strong in a place like academia. And but I'm talking about
0: more radical leftists who aren't in academia. But anyway, so that's a whole other thing.
2: Okay, but these people believe that they that their control over cultural legitimacy, that their grip over cultural legitimacy is never going to end. And I am here to tell you, they are so utterly mistaken. They are so <laughs> utterly mistaken. I want to talk about this, uh, This. Uh, wait, I want to, one funny story, and then we'll talk about the Coalition of the Aghast again. Mm-hmm. And the funny story is this, so I, when I was younger, I used to be a punk rocker. And- uh,
1: did you, what, what instrument did you play?
2: No, no, I mean like I was a fan. Oh, know? I see. And, I, and my, the instrument was a turntable, and I, and I had a show <laughs> on the college radio station, and I would, you know. Nice. And um there was a and everybody's throwing around this word sedition, and I'm like, huh, sedition. That was the name of Malcolm McLaren's shop on the King's Road in in London. It was, was it really seditionaries. Yeah, because what look at our commercial culture, and this is the whole conflict that nobody ever thinks about. Our commercial commercial culture is in love with extreme. They use this word extreme all the time to sell everything, you know. Right. Extreme Cadillacs, extreme soda pop. You know, like this is I used sports. to write about this all yeah. I used Used yeah. to write about this all the time it's it's like you know they, so we have one part of our culture that's like we got to crack down on extremism we got to have a war on extremism the other part of our culture is like extreme when you're really
0: extreme, <laughs> yeah you know?
2: it's, it's like what the fuck who I are know. we who are we and then joe biden quotes from a song in a ken burns you know a ken burns so
1: terrible did you, did everyone see the, the, uh, we, all the
2: we all need to like live life as though we're in a Ken Burns documentary, you know, then it'll all make sense. Well, that but would be
1: good because they would never end at that point. That would, <laughs> that, would, that, would that would solve the eternal life right. question. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah. But
0: Tom, I just do think it's worth noting that there is there's another group of people who are not the typical like usual suspects who really see themselves as more radical and who are not who like agree with the left uh, with us on a lot of things. And even they are. For it in a, in a way that's new, you know what I'm talking about, Matt? You yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, yeah so, no, and left it leftists who are in favor of censorship. Let's say
0: yes, really. right? Who again? It's not because they trust the elites or the institutions or have any kind of cultural capital or cachet or buy-in. It's because they just think that it's like these are hateful white supremacists and they need to be deplatformed. It's that kind yeah, well, of that,
2: look, there's a, that
0: a, they need to be yeah. thrown
2: in jail is what needs to happen. They they broke into the Capitol, well, the ones who
0: committed they, crimes. But the problem is that they're one. Who, yeah. But this is not that's not what they're talking about. Well, look, I'm it, saying the group of people who are being dumb about this is bigger than usual.
1: If okay. you if you go on if you go <laughs> on to
2: 4chan for for any length of time, uh, <laughs>
1: you, you know, it, isn't that funny?
2: So I've never done that. I don't even really know what you're talking about. Oh, so uh, just keep, keep going, keep going.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, if so, basically, like a lot of these right-wing, like far, far right-wing sites, it's like the intersection of like where porn and political thought converge. <laughs> like, it, it's it's so messed up and so violent, and I mean, and and it's got. It's, it's literally got porn images with like racist jokes with, you know, plans for violence, like all mixed in in the same <laughs> posts and stuff like that. And it, it it will freak you out in pretty short order to be on there. And I can see how people can can right. be following some of the trends, you know, in QAnon and places like that and and think, well, we got to yeah. put a lid on this. But you can't put a lid. That's the thing. You, you put a lid on it. And all people are going to see is that there's a unified front of very rich people, you know, who are not going to let them talk about stuff, and that I don't, I don't think that's going to go over well. I just,
2: you know, what would be funny is if the uh, religious right got on board with this and it's like, "Well, okay, we'll let you do that if you also abolish pornography." Right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. I oh, they that would actually video. be kind of funny. I, I, I might, that actually, might into it. That, that would be just the, the 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 fiasco that would ensue. That would be hilarious. You know?
1: Oh my God. <laughs> that would be like the eighties turned inside out.
2: <laughs> yeah. It would be, right? it would be, it would be a hoot. Yeah. But here's we're... the, here's the other thing that we were, you know, that we, we never, one of the, the consequences of, of the, these guys storming the Capitol, one of the consequences of this, this, um, these guys attacking the Capitol is that it derailed all the other conversations that were happening. And the conversation that I was most interested in was the election. For God's sakes, that, remember, that was and that's the last time I saw you guys on election night. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the results oh, yeah. were- the results weren't f- fully known for quite a while after that, and the results are really interesting. So uh, you know, Biden Super won, obviously, but but uh, but Trump was not repudiated in the way that everybody assumed he was going to be. He did quite well. He did better than people than every pollster said he was going to do, and there was that amazing shift of Latino voters in certain places and Black men. Trump, yes, and then there was the other shift. Uh, and none of this, I mean, because it's all been wiped out now, it's all forgotten already. And, and this is this is hugely important. And this is, uh, I think, probably more consequential in the long term than the capital, than the you know, these these assholes storming the Capitol, uh, you know, because this is this is how politics this is how politics works. But it's already forgotten. But here's the the, the aspect of it that gets me. So when I talked to you guys last, I was in Johnson County, Kansas which is the wealthy uh, white collar suburbs of Kansas City, Missouri. And it's a sort of white flight suburb, you know, suburban area that was built largely in the 1950s, but it's still growing. It's it's by far the richest county in Kansas. I think it has the most people of any county in Kansas. And uh, when I was a kid and we grew up in this little corner of it, that's very affluent. Right. And I mean, very affluent. This is the ruling class of the city. These are the people Mm. that own Kansas City. These are the people that own the state of Kansas. And uh, they were my neighbors when I was growing up. And I I wrote, what's the matter with Kansas is largely about these people because these are the most Republican people in America. Mm -hmm. Or they were, right? They had not voted for a Democrat. They They had not voted for a Democrat since Woodrow Wilson. It's the last time johnson county went for a democrat and uh when i was a kid the republican party controlled every local office they controlled well the governor of kansas would would come from there you know and um biden just flipped it and i went back and looked at the precinct biden won that area the whole county right and i went back and looked at the precinct uh results for that little corner of it where i was speaking to you guys from biden won every single precinct in that richest little neighborhood in 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 the state of Kansas, in the city of Kansas City. Uh, It's uh, it's yeah, it's incredible. So there's a there is a huge shift underway in this country. There is a coming together of elites that we've never seen before in our lives. And and you and you look at the and another thing that we're not that well, we're allowed to talk about here. We are talking about it, but it got it got erased from the national conversation thanks to this idiot riot. The, uh, the, the lout rampage, and that is uh, the business community cutting off the Republican Party. Wait, did you see this? Yeah, it's quite incredible. Well, first, if you know, the, the fundraising totals are finally in for 2020 it's and you, 1. Biden 1. massively outraised 1. 1, yeah. Biden outraised Trump uh, and Biden took the sort of uh, commanding heights industries, the important industries of so Silicon Valley, Wall Street, <clears throat> Both went with Biden, pharma. Trump, Trump. Yeah, Pharma. Trump got Trump took big oil. Right. <laughs> Trump took uh, casinos, although that turns out it's just it's a single guy, Sheldon Adelson. Right. And now Sheldon, he's dead. He died. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And then and then as soon as that riot is over, the like Wall Street starts cutting off the Republican Party. All these other industries start cutting off the Republican Party. We are in the middle of an incredible like uh, a shift of the tectonic plates. It is happening before our eyes. Uh, This this uh, what do you call it? This gathering of the elites, you know, this consensus and their gathering of the elites behind uh, uh, Biden, behind the Democrats. I don't know how long it'll last, but uh, this is—I've never seen this in my lifetime. You know, right,
1: right. But and then and then the question is though, what does that mean going forward? Because the Republican Party—they—they they have a couple of ways to go. They, they they either can try somehow to wedge themselves back into legitimacy, like with that crew, but the yeah. other way is the Josh Hawley way that they're already the workers party. With. Yeah, right. Yeah. And yeah. well, what
2: do you, what do you think they're going to do?
1: I mean, I, I don't know that they'll be competent in either direction, so I, I have no idea. But <laughs> but cl- clearly the numbers would go the other way, you know. Which well, I,
0: it's it. What do you think, Kate? The numbers What's would it? go which way? The populist way. The pseudo populist. The, 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 the pseudo populist way
1: seems feels yeah. like it's the only way they can go. That's certainly yeah,
0: what, that's that
2: certainly should, what wins elections. That's as a, as Trump taught them. Right. You know, look, look what he did. You know, in 2016, he, he beat Hillary Clinton, but he also won Pennsylvania, Ohio. Michigan. With half the money. Yeah. And uh, but he was so they the, the Republicans have to walk this very fine line. You know, they want to be the party of business, but they also want to reach out uh, to the sort of disgruntled, you know, white working class types and, and and win those places. And if they can do both, then they dominate. But now it looks like they have to choose. Uh, And, you know, I've met a lot of Republicans here in Washington. It's kind of hard to imagine them not being the party of business. I mean, they're they're, everything about them. It wouldn't it would cease to make sense. Right.
0: What What does that look like? Does that just look like socially reactionary policies? Because, because aren't right-wing populists, which, as you've pointed out and written about, that's not a real thing. That's like a invert a, right. a It's a
2: Phony. It's a, it's an act.
0: A phony yeah. thing. But they don't believe in the labor movement, right? So they're right, just no, of course, they just of want- course,
2: they hate them. So, guys. like, what
0: is that even what does that thing even look like? What does their economic program even look like? What would it look like?
1: Well, it's not about economics. It's about messaging. It's about you know, like you know, Reagan's patriotism. You go you know, military buildup, right? is is one way
2: to be can i can i can i can can i can can i I drop some knowledge on you guys it's some kind of amusing knowledge so i'm reading this book right now this is john meacham's biography of george bush senior wow (laughs) i know like why why would i read that like what what the hell why would anybody read that well i'm reading it and uh uh so george bush senior is like an american aristocrat you know, he comes from his dad was a senator. They come from and his grandfather was an investment banker. And they go they can trace their ancestry. But way, way, way back. I mean, these are these are uh,
1: as so like cave to, paintings in France. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. These
2: are as close to aristocrats as this nation yeah. produces. So in 1988, he's running for president. And he's faced with this guy, Michael Dukakis. And remember, Dukakis, Uh he's like, like, it's not about it's not about ideology. It's about competence. What's Bush's risk? And and by the way, Dukakis has this incredible bounce after their convention. He's like 18 points ahead. Okay, what what does Bush do? How does he he challenge this guy? It's entirely culture wars. It's uh, prison furloughs, Willie Horton. Uh, yeah. They they d- dug up this thing where, um, where where Dukakis had said something mean about the Pledge of Allegiance. So they, they would go around uh, pledging allegiance all the fucking time. Yeah. And, and, and Bush would visit flag factories. And uh, Dukakis was proud so to be great. a member of the ACLU. Do you remember this? So they hammered himself. him. They hammered him for these things. It was entirely the culture wars. And I remember I was I was I just graduated from college that year, and I was so angry about this campaign because it was so idiotic, and and of course Dukakis walked right into the buzz saw. You know, he's like it's with the, not with, bu- the you know.
0: with the um, tank.
2: Well, no, I mean just refuse. He wouldn't call himself a liberal. He wouldn't uh, you know mobilize organized labor. He wouldn't reach out to traditional Democratic. He was he was a Clinton before Clintonism. He
1: was a Clinton. What wo- he was a Clinton without. So, yeah, without charisma, without without without, street street fighter sense, exactly
2: without any kind of smarts, without any kind of populist and smarts. And, and, uh, yeah, oh my God. And Bush just crushed him, Mm -hmm. and the result was just devastating entirely done with culture wars and racial resentment. Right. And, oh my God. And that's so they, but they have that, they're very good at that. They can still play that game, but I don't know uh, if, if it works without the money behind them. You know, so they're in a real dilemma, these guys. I don't know. I don't know what they do.
1: They can run against wokeism.
2: Yeah, no, that's true. That gives them a perfect target, you know, but. uh, But,
1: And, and, you know, there's a lot of things that could fall under that umbrella that would appeal to not just white people also.
2: Oh, no, Uh, of course, they can still they can continue to build this sort of Trump coalition. There's no no doubt about that. But I'm asking you to imagine Republicans without money. It's, it's right. almost hard to it's almost hard to to picture. I, I, I you know, it's like I, I grew up on, thing, you know, the Koch brothers and the Rockefellers. And these are Republicans. Right. You know, this is the people I grew up amongst. These are Republicans. The, you know, this is the ruling class of America. You know, what is going to happen now?
1: Well, they're going to uh, have to find they're going to have to find a, some sponsor that like oil and gas is now almost so is so disreputable that. It's out of the club, (laughs) of uh, (laughs) no for for, for like the corporate consensus, you know that maybe they'll be able to get. But anyway, just just to switch gears quickly, what's what what are our expectations for Biden presidency? Do they try to accomplish anything, or do they or or is this really going to be just a restoration of kind of the Pax Americana version of? Obama's presidency where expansionist military
2: look Biden's you you can say this he's got his work cut out for him right COVID in the economy and it's like it's like if he delivers in the first hundred days if he really steps up to the plate and gets half the country vaccinated in the first hundred days this country will love that man that's true and if that he if he if he, like, really does it with his stimulus package and he gets the economy roaring, this country will love that man. And uh, but what so- was
0: the thing that we just learned today that I was saying, Matt, that the yeah, Democrats aren't going to deliver anything till March?
2: They're not going to give him
1: a covid bill till March. Seriously? Yeah.
2: That's that's madness. Well, he's I mean, got they a, only, they only act, control both houses. On, so. I, know, I know, but he's control, got to act right. on this immediately. And the thing is, like, if he acts on it immediately, this country—I mean, they will—they will worship him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. But uh, anyhow, we'll see. We'll see. That's what I think he should do. And if he does it, he, he will. You know, I don't know if he's even going to run again. He seems too old already, but yeah. uh, it, he'll, he'll be a successful president. But the alternative is is Obama's third term where he just sits around and says, oh, I can't do anything because those Republicans are so mean. You know,
0: right. They right. keep
2: Outsmarting me all the time. They keep tricking me. And and, and you know, back to the disappointment of the Obama days. Right. But How
0: can you say it this time when they want all this stuff? Like, that's why I was so ha- that, um- the most exciting thing for me about Georgia wasn't that I have any expectation for the Dems. It's that they won't be able to blame everything on Republicans and they'll be exposed.
2: Well, that that was the case last time around, too. And they still did that. I mean, that's remember uh, uh, when in Obama's first couple of years, they had, yeah, quite they had. a majority yeah. in both houses. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they, but they, they but they they refused to use uh, they refused to do away with the filibuster. So they tied they, they basically tied their own hands. And then Obama also. I mean, I liked him a lot back then, but let's be honest, he was fairly new to Washington. He'd only been a senator for two years before he became president. And so he was not really able to pull a kind of Lyndon Johnson, you know, where you get people to vote against vote for things that they are against. It's possible. Wait, But
0: Thomas, you're the one who taught me that he didn't want those things. That's, yeah, that's thing right. No, that's
2: exactly. Liberal. Exactly. So that's
0: it's not that he ultimately no, by, the,
2: by the, the end. There are all sorts of things that Obama could have done without Congress. Uh, and and the, the the only answer, the answer that you have to, you know, conclude with by the end of his eight years is he just didn't want to do these things. You know, he just didn't want to. Uh, he didn't try it, because, it, look, he's a smart man. He, he had Rahm Emanuel standing right next to him. He's one of the biggest assholes in all of Washington. And oh, he could right. have said, you know, Rahm, go down there and pull a Lyndon Johnson and get this shit done. He right. never, he never done did it. Thing. And he had Eric Holder right there. He could have said to Eric Holder. You know, prosecute these Wall Street guys. We're going to make a big stink out of this. You know, Rom what would have it?
0: resigned before doing that, though.
2: Before getting tough with the uh, conservatives or the, the, Rom, the blue yeah. dogs or whatever, maybe. But you know, he works for the president, so find another Rom. This is a, the, the the lack of imagination of these people is always so. When you compare it to the Republicans historically, that I mean, not Trump here. Trump is just a fucking idiot. <laughs> but when you compare it to Republicans, historically, these guys are incredibly resourceful, innovative, dynamic, you know, coming up with new ideas, dreaming like like the, the, that story I told about George Bush, you know, figuring out how to beat Dukakis. It's like, let's just talk about Willie Horton constantly. Right. And this is so, the guy who did dreamed this up was his character called Lee Atwater, who uh, is a classic Republican, you know. Um, a moral
1: character, yeah. Evil,
2: evil genius. You know, they've got a whole string of these: Carl Rove, Carl Steve, yeah. Steve Bannon. You know, they've got a whole string of these guys, and they're they're very very good at the game. And the Democratic version is like Rahm Emanuel. <laughs> you
0: know, yeah, who, who, who
2: will not get tough with uh, with the people he needs to get tough with. He gets tough with like you know, the Chicago Teachers Union. <laughs> right.
1: Right. Or, or, um, you
0: know, black people. uh, Yeah. Yeah.
2: Covering up, covering up the uh, murder, police murder of that kid.
0: Uh,
2: OK. Last
1: question I have for 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 both of you. Like one of the things that that amazed me about how I felt this morning was how glad I am that this is going to be over. Like there's there was no entertainment value in the Trump era for most of it, I, I I felt. And there was an element to the way he was covered that like always like really bothered me. There was like a glee about it that that yeah.
2: was just so off putting. Um and I, I constantly beating up the stupid kid. You know it's like it's like these it's like these guys from cnn for it's the like, wrong things i, like, I,
0: wrong I, things, I, I tricked
2: was. i tricked the dummy look i tricked the dummy again look 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 he fell for it again but look at this there was just this intensity of like uh,
1: uh, uh, of you know self-congratulation about how much we were how much more right we were than this guy and and it was like a mandatory tone yes, to yes. everything. And I and hated it, that. I hated you know, that. And that's
2: that's when, when we I go to write the history of these years, when we go to write the history of these years, uh, will we reckon with that that, that, that the anti-Trump attitude, which is 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 loathsome in its own way, exactly why, like the way you described it? Yeah. And it's I mean, gone it's, now. And but it's it's not. No, that attitude is going to Trump is gone. Trump is gone right. but that yeah, attitude. Know. That attitude is still with us and will be with us. And this, this is where we started the show. I guess but towards so. whom? Well, towards they'll find, Josh they'll find, like who, they'll who find somebody the toward, risk, maybe, yeah. toward, maybe towards true, yeah. <laughs> maybe towards you guys. That's true. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. It's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah we're going to start looking around. And, <laughs> and, and,
0: <laughs> and this is our periodical reminder, periodic reminder that we don't like Trump and uh, there's a lot to go after him for it. Just again, trying to pull out of Syria or uh, trying to deescalate things. You know, again, the. But, the but people how hard did it really try. You don't even
2: know what he was doing.
0: He no, did. but but it was always it. It was. Yeah. But like, for instance, the whole and I say this a lot, but the narrative that he is a Cheeto Mussolini, unprecedented threat who should have ratcheted things up with Putin was so stupid. It, it was find so much. Of the relentless. Resistance. Yeah. You know what I mean? but, but
2: he had he had. So, I mean, so many opportunities to be that, to be, to you know, to be a strong man, to be an authoritarian. And he didn't take them. I mean, the most perfect one, of course, was COVID. I mean, this country was screaming for him to take charge and show some leadership. And he did. He did nothing. And, and in fact, right. since the election, I don't think he's even mentioned it. All he's talked about since the election is how he was cheated.
0: He's yeah. just like
2: this man's his his brain doesn't work right. You know, (laughs)
0: actually, Tom, Tom, he's a genius.
2: Oh, is that what it is?
0: (laughs) What did he say about himself? He's a what genius? A very very
2: stable genius. Very (laughs) stable genius. That should be
0: a band. Can we form a band called that? (laughs)
1: Absolutely. But yeah, that kind of like mandatory, like get in line kind of a thing. Like it's, I I feel like it is gone. Like uh, I don't feel that same kind of thing today, although maybe they'll find some other way to. Impose oh, I'm, it.
2: I'm immensely relieved uh, that 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 he's gone and, and that yeah. Biden is in there. But but then I thought about it and it's like Trump was great copy. I mean, not just for the anti-Trump people that you described. But, uh, I you know, I had a lot of fun with him too, uh, with the situation that he set up. I mean, think about everything we've been describing here. He ushered us into a new and really interesting era. And I don't know how we're going to come out of it, of course, but like the craziest things have been happening the last four years.
1: Yeah, but that was only if you were allowed to explore all the angles to. Right. Trump no, because... that's right. And,
2: and, and I write for foreign publications. So. Right. Exactly. <laughs> what does that tell
1: and you?
0: MSNBC won't have you on anymore. Right. It used to be regular. Well,
2: now. They they they, they I, I don't know what happened. They lost my they lost my phone number. I I, I guess they thought my pundit card got canceled. And I guess my right. pundit card did get canceled. Well, No,
0: you're critical but, of the Dems and not just the Republicans. So they right, know right. you
2: and they don't want They don't want to hear that, which is which is totally weird. So we're, we're all agreed though today a net plus right for
0: yeah sure. but I want to issue a warning that all we're, we're gonna see a lot of wolf washing
2: what is that oh uh, well yeah there's wolf washing. Be a lot whenever of that, yeah. someone
0: is terrible is a point they're gonna hide behind the diversity so that we have like no no diver- the word
2: for that is the word for that is Clintonism
0: <laughs> it is. Clintonism. I'm
2: Go back and look at Christopher Hitchens' book about Bill Clinton. It's called "No One Left to Lie To," and it's the first time—the first time that anybody wrote about this. And he said, with Bill Clinton, he has these all these reactionary or, or conservative ideas, and I forget how Hitchens put it, but he said that he 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 muscles them through with a you know, like uh, 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 a bodyguard, politics. bodyguard of political correctness or yeah. you know, what, uh, something like that. Yeah. And uh, I, I forget how Hitchens was was great when he was good. Yeah.
0: No, but woke washing is an important term, I think. I mean, I did. That's kind OK. Of so no, you're right. That's, that's
2: actually best better than Clintonism. But
0: well, it's a, it's we're going to you know, there's white. Obviously, there's greenwashing, pinkwashing. Right. Which is when Israel hides like, you know, uh, hides their crimes against Palestinians by pointing to how much they love LGBTQ people. Um, And so this is like we saw this example with Jonathan Martin, a New York Times journalist who when um, when Cedric Richmond was named to some weird new made up position, which turns out, by the way, is basically a position to build uh, outreach to conservative white people. Anyway, Cedric Richmond is a black former congressman, terrible on on energy. And when he was named um, for this new for Biden's administration the Sunrise Movement spoke out against it. And Jonathan Martin tweeted from the get go, from the beginning, um, people are going after Biden's most influential black staffer, which is exactly what's going to happen every time someone's criticized. Mm -hmm. Just watch. It's going to be framed as racist, sexist, anti-gay.
2: Were were you guys at this at the at the 2016 conventions, by any chance, the Democratic one?
1: I was.
0: Yes.
2: Do you remember that moment where the Marine general came out on stage and uh, gave that really kind of bloodthirsty speech. Do you remember that? And there was a gasp, there was an audible gasp in the auditorium. And then they pulled back the curtain and he had a unit of soldiers with me. He had a, like a platoon of soldiers with him. And they were, you know, the rain, it was the rainbow coalition. They were from every, you know, visibly different background. And um, that was the first time I ever thought of this, that this, this ideology that you're describing, Katie, could be the rationale for empire. You could do it. You could be a way of, of like co- conquering the world and saying you're doing it. For,
0: yeah, <laughs> you're doing it wow. for like yeah. you know yeah exactly for you know imperialism. Yeah, exactly for, of, you know. Imperialism. yeah. yes, well, it, it could happen. It's really disturbing. Yeah,
1: because the previous yeah, incarnation right. was remember remember Thomas Friedman's golden straight jacket idea. Yeah, like we're, that's we're, right. Doing, the we're, market. We're doing, we're doing it stuff. for the market. We're forcing wealth on you.
2: Yes. But now we're going to. His model was his model was Singapore. Do you remember this? Mm -hmm. Now, Singapore has a really interesting here. We're coming full circle. Singapore has a really interesting. You know, there's a lot of censorship in Singapore, but it's not direct, overt censorship. What they do is they have really they do like what Trump wanted to do. They'd opened up their libel laws. Mm -hmm. So if you insult a politician in Singapore, he can sue you. So Mm -hmm. any kind of political speech is inherently. Um, you know, problematic. You and so they constantly any opposition politician that rises up, they sue them into bankruptcy, and they take like wow. uh, any newspaper, like so that like, I used to write for the Wall Street Journal. Wall Street Journal is um, it's not banned in Singapore. What they do is they limit their circulation, so they can only have like five hundred copies on the island. Wow. Of each, yeah, that something like bad. nuts like that. Yeah, and that's that. That's the model. It's a very um. Modern-day model for censorship. It's very clever.
1: Yeah. Well, that's yeah. that's what I, that's what went through my mind with all this sedition stuff. Is it, it's going to become a, a a way to to uh, you know artificially reduce certain kinds of media speech too, right? Because they're they're going to yeah. expand the, the the definition of that to. But that wouldn't be private, what you're talking about. This is going to be a highly weird period of our history, and I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to
0: it. I was turning around, by the way, if you saw me turn around, that was because I was looking for my copy of The People Know. But guys, if you're watching this or listening to this, stop what you're doing and order a copy of The People Know, uh, History of Anti-Populism. So here Sasha. it is. You see,
2: I'm I'm, I'm rewriting, it, rewriting it right now with one of my- Maybe you to... should call it The People sentences? Yo. Yeah, the what people up, people? Yo. Yeah. The People Yo. <laughs> listen, listen up, liberal.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you no, got- just call it. Trump is an existential threat. Just call it that, and then yeah, there you go. It'll it'll sell
2: it. Sell you reading copies. it. The, well, yeah. actually, I don't know about that. Did you see? I saw one of the funniest things I've seen on Twitter recently was somebody took a photo in a in a a bookstore. You know, a a, a real bookstore, not Amazon. Yes. It was, it was a remainder table.
0: All these books about Trump. Trump. I know. <laughs> that is. Oh, that was
1: rich. That was great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know proof of conspiracy proof of whatever but Matt yeah. didn't, wait
2: didn't you write one right at the start didn't you write a, a book about Trump
1: I did it was a bestseller yeah. insane Before clown president
0: time. Yeah
1: Well look uh today was it was crazy in the and the end of a I would say a, a really poor four year experience. So I'm glad to all be, to be sharing, sharing, commemorating all that with both of you. Yeah. And, yeah. Um,
2: and how I about, think, wait, how about pants rising to the occasion? Did you see that? Pence, he, he did. Pence was. Uh, rising know, from the done.
0: ashes like a fly. Yeah. Rising
2: from shit. <laughs> right now, I'm going to go in the other room and I have a bottle of Rioja and I am going to consume it. Excellent. But, because there's no parties for, you know, here in Washington, no great parties to go to uh for biden's inauguration ordinarily they'd be also you'd have your choice right. there'd be all sorts of wonderful things going on but just go find the... where
1: hunter biden is and you know bring,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's where the party is and <laughs> bring mask up mask bring uh, triple mask
1: 500 up. <laughs> bills
0: you know yeah.
1: and uh you'll be you'll be all right he'll, he'll <laughs> yeah. hook you up uh all right well this was awesome yeah, uh thank you. you thomas frank uh, K- uh katie uh this was fun, right? All right, that was awesome. We're happier yeah. than we were a day ago. So, yeah. um, and then, uh, but it's probably all gonna be downhill from here, but we'll, we'll yeah. be there to tell you all and about subscribe,
0: it. So. Subscribe to Useful Idiots. Uh, hit subscribe and then hit the bell. Uh and review us on uh, wherever you listen to us and uh, never ever listen to or watch uh, Positive yeah. America.
1: Vomit uncontrollably instead, if you're thinking about yeah. doing that. And, uh, and thank you, Thomas and thanks, Frank, it. for joining us. Hey, this
2: was a blast, yeah. guys.
1: All right, take care, and we'll see you all next
2: week. All right, so long. Bye.